0: Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
1: Nice dress. Uh, It's a it's a T-shirt.
0: Until you tried it on.
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for joining us tonight on episode 11, season two of the standoff with Brad and Richie here on New Zealand Sport Radio. We're here live every Wednesday on Facebook throughout the season. Good evening, Richie. Um, Another interesting round um, with some massive blowouts to start the round and then to end it with a disappointing Warriors performance on Sunday. Yeah,
2: yeah, I'd be lying if I said I enjoyed the the whole round, Brad. I think there was at least a 20, 30-minute period where I really didn't enjoy. (laughs) But what about you?
1: Yeah, it's the same, really. Um, A bit surprised by the blowouts, which we're obviously going to cover in a little bit. But, um, yeah, and I'm sure we're going to dive deep into that Warriors performance as well. Um, But while we're here live on Wednesday evenings at 8 p.m., you can also catch uh, our show via the podcast on iHeartRadio at your convenience. Just remember to search for New Zealand Sport Radio um, as always, we're going to cover everything you need to know in the week that was Rugby League, including our top stories of the week, a review of around nine matches and our picks. Um, we'll then stop and answer some questions from all of you. Uh, then we'll preview the Magic Round clashes and make our picks before ending the night with some overseas and Super League news, um, time pending, obviously. Um, so tune in to get your Rugby League news and remember to send us comments and questions throughout the show. And um, let's just get straight into the top stories, Richie. Let's go. Um I suppose the first one, we've been talking about it for a few weeks now, but um, TJ Perinara's re signed with New Zealand Rugby and will not be a Rooster. Um, going back to the Hurricanes, um, any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, look, being based in Wellington, I, I think the Hurricanes here need him more than the Roosters do. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, the Roosters will march on and find find other players to pull in underneath this Brero, yeah. so yeah uh, no no biggie yeah. for, for the game of league i don't think
1: yeah i i think i'm only disappointed that we don't get to see how he'd go but it's yeah. not the end of the world and um yeah i'm sure the yeah the hurricanes will will need him um so yeah good to see sticking with rugby and staying there because i don't know if i wanted to really see him at the roosters anyway i would have preferred him in a warriors jersey myself yeah, exactly. Keep him in NZ. Uh, he's a he's a yeah. he's a Kiwi, definitely. And the next bit of news: Peter Heku um, ruled out for the season after his surgery. Um, so another warrior bites the dust. Um, uh, a bit heartbreaking um, to hear it. I was hoping he'd have um, he'd have a return and um, add some spark to our edge, but yeah, not to be.
2: Yeah, it looks like we. Like, watching the Warriors, it looks like we're lacking a bit of experience out in the centres, and, uh, yeah, it's a shame, you know, How he, he really could have helped shore, shore up our edges. But not to be, unfortunately. Wish him all the best for his recovery.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, because it was the final year of his deal, because he got a one-year extension at the end of last year, and there's been no news on if they're going to um, offer him a new deal or, or what, perhaps. And um, I suppose it's a bit harder to... Um, Convince a team to re-sign you if you're not out on the pitch.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, what do, what do you do then, Brad, with your coach's head on? What, what would you do uh, with the with the centres at, at the Warriors with that news? Um,
1: I would. I'd probably offer him another deal. Um, probably drop the coin, um, even if it, I wouldn't say lowball him, but um, just say, "Oh, you've been a bit injury um, prone." Um, here's a deal if you want to stick around. And um, if he takes it, you've got an experienced player there. Um, But getting the crystal ball out, you know, by this time next year, Rocco Berry could be um, nicely experienced and take that spot off him anyway. So it's interesting. It's going to be an interesting time. Yeah, the
2: the wingers will miss him because – you Know the last couple of years, whoever's played outside of Hiku has has normally gone good guns. So I think he went, he was playing inside of uh Fusatua and when he was scoring a lot of tries, and then the following year he switches sides. And um, In, Big, and big Kenny, it. he ends up being Dalian winger of the year, so I don't think it's a coincidence. So we we miss a bit there, but yeah, all the best from him though.
1: Yeah, and more Warriors use Jazz Tavanga's is rumoured to potentially be on the move to the Bulldogs. Um, I've heard that he would prefer to stay with the Warriors, and the Warriors have tabled an offer. Um, but Jazz has come out and um, acknowledged that there are other teams sniffing around him too. Um, what do you think about it, Richie? Would you sign him again? Would you keep him around? Obviously, the Warriors have put an offer out. but um, Would you make sure he sticks around? Well, From what I hear, he, he, yeah, you're right. His preference is to
2: stay, but he also wants to get what he, you know, what he's worth. So I think, in my mind, I guess it depends what what he perceives that he's worth. Um, but he is a good player, you know, he has his patches where, where he has a few brain snaps, but he he does that a lot. And a couple of years ago, he was our, he was Dellium Interchange Player of the Year. So, he does add a lot of energy, and when, when he's on, you can't deny that that uh, the Warriors are better for it.
1: Yeah, I'd prefer him to stick around. If he did end up at the Bulldogs, it'd be interesting to see how that goes with him and Jack Hetherington there. Um, yeah. It'd be quite a formidable forward pack. It's not yeah. one you would um, take lightly, but, yeah, fingers crossed he, he accepts the offer the Warriors have given him, and he sticks around because, yeah, I think he's quite, he's quite valuable.
2: Yeah, indeed. I, I tend to agree with you there.
1: And the next bit of news, Wayne Bennett has confirmed that Adam Reynolds will be leaving the Rabbitohs at the end of the year. Um, the Sharks and Broncos have offers on the table and Reynolds rumoured to have told his teammates that he's going to be going to Brisbane on a three-year deal starting next year. Um, reports are it's around $2.25 million for the three years. Um, what are your thoughts on it, Um I thought he would have been at the shots because he apparently didn't want to leave Sydney, but um, Broncos. just yeah. sounds like it is. Yeah,
2: and I've read reports that Cronulla have given him a deadline too, um, so it's looking likely that he's going to Queensland, which is good for the, good for the Broncos. They they need somebody like that. Um, I don't think it will solve all of their problems. I think they still need to put a few pieces of the puzzle together. But uh, he's a start. If, if, yeah. If that's if that's um, what eventuates and he heads to the Broncos, it's
1: definitely a start. You know. Yeah, definitely. I think um, getting a player like that in helps you get other players as well. Um, like I think we've talked about it briefly um, with the Warriors side of things with Reese Walsh. He's an exciting young player that other players want to play with. So um, you get a guy like Reynolds who we'll talk about the game very shortly, but um, the Rabido's what they looked without him, um, that kind of impact he, get, he has on a game will make players potentially want to go to the Broncos to play with him. So, um, yeah, I think it's a great move if that's where he ends up. Um, I with all the way the rumours have come out today, I'm pretty sure we'll hear about it before the show next week so we can dive a bit deeper next week. But, yeah, if, if it is true, I think it's a great move for the Broncos, um, especially with the news um, now officially announced that Xavier Coates is leaving to go to the Storm. Yeah,
2: exactly right. And, I mean, they want to start pulling in a couple of big players because um, all we've heard about so far this season are the – Big talent's leaving Brisbane, so, you know, it's it's nice for them to get this little feather in their hat
1: if it plays out. Definitely, Yeah, so we'll have more news on that for the show next Wednesday, so we'll fill you in a bit more once we've got a bit more information. Um, But the second to last bit of news, the NRL um, stood down a bunker official after the Eels-Roosters game um, for missing the foul play on Drew Hudsonson and James Tedesco. Um, The NRL have come out after the the game and said that both players should have been simbined, um and that was missed and because of that the Roosters weren't allowed to use their 18th man which they would have been eligible to use uh, what were your thoughts on it? Um, it, it it happened so quick it was in the same play um, but what did you think of both calls
2: um, the Neakore one was similar mm-hmm. to what kind of similar to what we saw uh, when the Roosters played the Dragons, where Tedesco got hit by Pereira, where, you know, he's he's sort of approaching the tackle and then has fallen. I don't think, I think if he stays on his feet, he still would have got hit with a shoulder because it was a two-man tackle and near Corre's arm was kind of forced to be tucked. But, you know, him falling has caused him to get, to get uh, collected in the head. Um, I think the, Dylan Brown one was worse, and obviously that's what saw Hutchins, Hutchinson break some ribs and I think puncture a lung, and he, he had puncture to head off to lung, hospital. Yeah. yeah, he had to head off to hospital. That's that's no good. He was – yeah, Dylan Brown looked like he was um, channeling his Billy Slater there uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> with, with the way he came in with the knees. But um, what I find interesting is the um, NRL have stood down – still down the officials but i th- i hear that they're also investigating trent robinson for his comments on them being incompetent during his press conference so on one hand they're admitting that they got it wrong but then on the other hand they're they're looking at whacking trent robinson with a fine possibly so interesting
1: yeah yeah that is an interesting part because they admitted it was wrong and they they stood them down but then yeah they're potentially going to punish Trent Robertson for um calling it out um Mm. I agree with you on the Tedesco thing I think he does have a habit of sliding down into a tackle which is why he gets hit with so many head highs but um yeah the the Dylan Brown one um sliding with your knees that's a no-go so he should never have done it um and yeah they um have helped the Warriors out um a little bit with having a few players not there So Paul said, is there a difference from being incompetent and just making a mistake? Um, Yeah, I wouldn't say they're incompetent with this one. I think they just made a bad call because they did still um, tell the ref that it was a penalty. Uh, They just didn't make it as severe. And When you see a few weeks ago the bunker told the ref to send Josh Curran to the bin for a a head clash, it just seems to be a, a... a sliding scale on how if they overreact or underreact and um, they need to find that sweet spot in the middle.
2: I think the way it played out is what kind of led Trent Robinson to make, make that comment is because the the bunker did look at it many times and actually didn't, didn't suggest the ref to do anything. And then he was put on report at, at halftime. time. time. So yeah, yeah, it it was a weird one. So, you know, I kind of can't blame Trent Robinson too much because I was thinking the same thing, but Yeah, I guess you can't say those kind of things openly and not get away with it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, So that's the news we've got for right now. So we may as well crack straight into the Round 9 review. Um, Starting on Thursday, where the Storm defeated the Rabbitohs 50-0, wasn't the score I was imagining um, for this game, but the Storm, I thought, were pretty fantastic. And the Rabbitohs, I think they just looked shell-shocked. I think once the storm ticked into um, clicked into action, they um, don't know what to do.
2: Yeah, not the school line I was, I had in my head going into the game either. But yeah, once once the storm got going and, and the Rabbitohs maybe looked like they dropped their head a little bit, they, the Storm's left edge with Olam and obviously the Fox collecting six tries, they they look pretty unstoppable. Um, and South Sydney were missing some key players, but. I don't think many of them will be too proud watching that back when they review the game.
1: No. Yeah. Um, yeah. Adokar being the first player in 71 years to score six tries in a game. Um, I know there's been a bit of flack on him saying um, a lot of the tries anyone could have scored, but um, I think that just shows you how good the storm are that they can put players into a scoring position every time they get the ball, basically. Yeah. Um, so I think it was very good, very dangerous, and it's still a team without perhaps their best player out on the field with Pappenhausen still out. So, um, yeah, scary times, I think, for for teams coming up against Melbourne. Um, and, yeah, the Rabbitohs, I think this was the biggest indicator of why they should have offered Reynolds a longer-term deal, in my opinion. Um, without him out there, they had no direction. Um, I still don't think Cody Walker is the, the type of player that can lead the side like Reynolds can. Um, I think he's a good addition to the halves, but he's not the the dominant half. So uh, I'm not sure what they're going to do in their halves um, unless they do decide to give Benji another year. But um could be interesting times ahead for them. Yeah, I tend to agree
2: with your comments there about Cody Walker. He's he's more of a running, run and gun sort of 5'8", isn't he? Sort of in the mould of Sean Johnson. Yeah. He his that's more his role rather than controlling the team, but you know it's more than just Reynolds. They're still missing Latrell Mitchell and, and guys like that. So yeah, I think this will yeah. this will be a bit of an anomaly. Um I think once they get players oh, back, that yeah, they'll clip back into gear.
1: Yeah, Um yeah, definitely. They they're, it's not like their season's over or anything after this, but um, yeah, it's probably um, very. um very disappointing for them and probably hit their egos a little bit. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how they bounce back this weekend. Um, They've got a good matchup, which they should put some points on. Um, but yeah, we'll go straight into the Friday's first game with um, the Panthers getting a bit jealous of the storms are so trying to do the same thing and beating the Sharks 48 nil um, Two blowouts in the first two game games. Um, yeah, it was, it was another surprise. I ex- again, like the Storm game, I expected the Panthers to win and to win well, but I didn't expect the Sharks to be as bad as they were.
2: Yeah, the first two games you really saw two teams um, give some pretty comprehensive warnings to the rest of the competition. Um, the Panthers playmakers just look head and shoulders above any other halves pairing that's going around right now and, and they pretty much had their way in this game. The Sharks look a lot off the pace, but, you know, the coaching situation has obviously not helped them. And, and but, you know, they hooked Townsend with 30 minutes to play. They took him off and put Moylan on. And I thought it just spoke to how, how low they are and how low they're going with their yeah. confidence
1: right now. Yeah, they, they kind of hit the trifecta of playing badly because um, they made too many errors, um, made poor attacking decisions, and they missed too many tackles. And um, you can't do any of those against Penrith um, because if you give Penrith an inch, they're going to take a mile. And I think the scary thing for me um, with the Panthers is that they don't rush. They were taking their time and um, they'll come and compose and just um, starve the Sharks of possession and make them pay for it. So, um, yeah, I think it's just the, the Panthers are just going to keep winning. And I think the Sharks they're getting stuck in that little battle to make the eight, and I think they're going to get left behind if they don't turn things around quick.
2: Yeah, I think that's already starting to happen, I think. You saw, like, last year when the Warriors made their coaching change mid-season, you know, it could go one way or the other, and for the Warriors, they almost galvanised, but with the Sharks, they're going the other way, I think. So Mm. you're not looking good for them this year.
1: No, not at all. And uh, that leads to the last game on Friday, um, which was the Eels defeating the Roosters 31-18. Finally, a a more competitive match, but it was still a little bit of a blowout. Um, I thought for the losing side with the Roosters, I thought Matt um, Ikevalu, he had big shoes to fill replacing Brent Morris, and I think he had a good game. He scored a hat trick, and um, he didn't get to play all the game. He went off with an HIA, but I think he had a pretty good outing And in his first like proper stint in what will be his position quite possibly for the rest of the season, if not longer.
2: Yeah, this game bummed me out because this was the game where I tipped the Roosters and you tipped the Eels. (laughs) But, you know, the the Roosters did show a lot of resilience in the face of all their injuries. It it just looked like a bridge too far. It wasn't vintage from the Eels, I don't think. Like, they had something like, I think it was 63% possession but they didn't really kick clear of the Roosters until a couple minutes left. You know, it was still, still a, you know, tight on the scoreboard. So, yeah, yeah and that was I guess.
1: also against the Roosters team with a few guys that went off injured too. So, exactly. Um, yeah, I think Bryce Cartwright though for the Eels when he came on he sparked them a bit. Um, he scored a double himself, and then yeah, I think once they got their nose ahead, they just never looked back. And um, yeah, the Roosters casualty wards getting bigger. Um, they're going to have to buy another another house next door to fit them all in. Um, We're Drew Hutchinson out now as well um, after the uh, the cannonball knees from Dylan Brown. Um, disappointing for them and uh, it's going to make their their road to the finals even tougher now. Uh, but I still just can't write them out. I, I know I said last year they're going to not make the eight and I'm, I'm hoping I'm right there because that's a hell of a prediction. But um, yeah, you still just can't count them out. They've got a lot of talent there still. You can't, especially with Trent
2: Robinson pulling the strings. You know, if, um, you can't write them off. I've, I've, when they started stacking up injuries, I started tipping against them and, and they still kept finding ways to win. So I think in that way they're kind of similar to the Storm where whoever whoever comes up to replace the, the injured person just sort of clicks in with the rest of the team and, and does their job so yeah i don't yeah. think you can write them off
1: yeah and then um the first game on Saturday, we saw the knights defeat the raiders 24-16 um i just don't know what to say about the raiders anymore um they were atrocious they ran out to a 16 nil lead at halftime and looked like they'd finally got themselves back into action and then the knights just Took them to pieces in that second half, scoring twenty four unanswered points. Um, I thought for the Knights, Phoenix Crossland coming in to replace Blake Green, he offered a, a, a new um, attacking threat and looked a lot better than what they've been getting from Green. And um, Jaden Brayley was um, really good in hooker. And the Knights, they're just uh, not the Knights. Sorry, the Raiders are just atrocious, um, woeful.
2: Oh, it's a good comeback from the Knights. You know, they've been looking pretty low on confidence lately. Um, so they would have been happy to bag the two points whatever way they could. Um, so to come back from 16-0 is pretty pretty good from them. Um, the Raiders, who knows what's going on there. I, I, I read that in the last five games in, in the second half, they've conceded 93 points and scored only eight. So that's pretty alarming. Yeah. I don't know if it's just obviously something mental, but... Yeah, tough to say what they do to stem that tide.
1: Yeah, I think if they don't do it quickly, they're they're not playing playoffs this year. Um, I don't see them making the eight if they keep playing this way. So um, it's going to be interesting times ahead for for Ricky Stewart and should make for some interesting um, post-match conferences from him Um, if his team doesn't turn it around. But yeah, big job ahead for them. Yeah, and, and saying that, he's... Along with Trent Robinson, he's
2: another one that the NRL are looking at for us. I think he murmured an F word under his breath during his press conference. so yeah, yeah. I, I understand his frustration. Ricky's a passionate guy, and yeah, I think I think he's not
1: been as bad as what he could be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So um, going to be a great times ahead to um talk about their games, I'm sure. Uh, but that leads us to the second game on Saturday with the Titans defeating the Tigers 36-28. to 28. Um, The Titans had me a bit worried in this one. They Just like last week, they scored three tries in like the first 12 minutes and looked to be um, well on the way to a heavy win. And then the Tigers brought it back and they started um, going to and fro a little bit with the lead until the Titans kind of pulled out at the end. Um, I think for the Titans, if they want to be a contender to be in the playoffs, they've got to put games like this against um, the bottom-of-the-barrel teams away nice and early. The fact that the Tigers were so competitive shows a lot about their heart, but um, it puts question marks all over the Titans' um, potential. Yeah, well, a similar thing
2: happened when they played the Broncos, you know, they where they got off to that blistering start, so... Similar here, with, I think they put on three tries and three sets um, through yeah. Sami, Peachy, and Brian Kelly. Um, and then the Tigers sort of clawed their way, their way back. I think Adam Dewey was pretty good and orchestrated a lot of the Tigers' play as they came back. But it definitely appeared as though both teams left their defence
1: at home. Yeah, um, there was a couple of games like that in this round where um, defence seemed to be... Um, far most thought but yeah um i think titans still have a chance of playoffs it's just the wheels are shaking a bit and the tigers are no chance of making the finals but they're by no means easy beats um which is good to see it's good to see them stay competitive even though they're not getting the results
2: yeah exactly mate um i think they'll still struggle and, and finish somewhere in that bottom four but you know at least that you're right at least they're they're toughing out games
1: and making it difficult for some sides. Yeah. Um, The last game on Saturday, we saw the Broncos defeat them or the Cowboys beat the Broncos. Sorry. uh, 19 to 18. Um, This was one of the more entertaining games for me. I think both teams um, didn't really play their best. They were both very messy, Um, but you could see how desperate both sides were to get the win. And the, the, The lead switched so many times throughout the game, and then it was like a a last-minute kind of surge from the Cowboys where Jason Tobolo got them a try, and then Valentine Holmes slotted the field goal. Um, I think the Cowboys still have a very slim chance of making the eight, um, but they're going to have to rely on Tomololo and Holmes to keep form that we've seen this week and last week from Holmes um, if they have a shot, and... Broncos, I think, will be kicking themselves at letting this one go. If they had won this game, they would have finally beaten all the Queensland teams um, for a long time and been. they could have said they were the best Queensland team in the comp. But um, I think they're looking better. I think Tyson Gamble um, is a real live wire in that halves and he's pairing well with Milford. And if I was Kevin Walters, this is the halves pairing I'd be sticking with um, for this year. And I think if they keep keep this intensity up, they might get a few more upsets along the way.
2: Yeah. I mean, this was more, um, more like the Queensland big brother versus little brother matches. We've become accustomed to uh, in the yeah. past, you know, um, and you use the word intensity. And uh, I think that's what had a lot of both teams showed heaps of intensity. And, and we had a heart stopping finish, which we've be- become used to seeing between these two sides in the past. Um, The Valentine Holmes field goal was one of the weirdest field goal setups I've seen, (laughs) but it worked, you know? Yeah, yeah, I was pretty pleased with the, with the outcome because I think this was one where we tipped differently as well. And um, I tipped Cowboys, so I was, I was pretty pleased.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So we had three picks different this week and I got two out of three if if that this one had gone my way i would have got all three and i would have been very happy so i was disappointed yeah. that it didn't go my way but um it was really close
2: and it was um, close
1: yeah hopefully we see more more um, close matchups from these sides in the future because we don't want to see more blowouts i think agreed and um that brings us to the game we'll probably talk about the most—the first game on Sunday—with um, the Sea Eagles defeating the Warriors, thirty-eight to thirty-two. What do you think? What's your first thoughts on this?
2: Where do you start? <laughs> so, you know, we we didn't look too bad in, in patches, but um, once that the where the game swung was definitely after halftime where we didn't ice that chance where. We had a, I think it was something like a three on one, and Cody Nicarima had the ball in his hands, and and the ball ends up going into touch instead of over the try line in one of our players' hands. You know, Um you just got to finish those, finish those chances, and then you almost felt like um this is going to be a, a a swing the other way, and and then the next set Manly score, and then they end up going on a spree. Um, we look very, we look very fragile on our our left hand side defense on Manley's right hand side attack where Jason Saab was and and you gotta throw a lot of credit to Tommy Turbo. I mean, we made him look very good, but he was very <laughs> yeah. he was very good, you know, and in this milestone game he got a couple tries and um had I can't even remember how many tries this he had, but he was making breaks and setting breaks up. Um yeah, we made him look like Superman pretty much.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, it swung. It swung with that um that botch from Cody. Um I see Nigel's put in the comments that he would have benched Cody there and then and I was the same. Same. Um I when he threw that pass, I would have I would have taken him off, would have got no, we, we can't have that um and yeah it just swung um after that they scored five tries basically in five sets it was basically back to back to back to back and at that point um it was like oh they're gonna put 50 on them here it's gonna it's gonna go but um the warriors to their credit um they brought reese walsh on and he kind of got them back into the game he added a lot um it's great to see chanel back out there but i felt that when walsh was there Chanel wasn't letting him get the ball as much. It kept going to Chanel a lot, and Walsh was clearly um, the spark that um, was making things happen. so in my mind, he should have been getting the ball a lot more. And um, I-, I could go on forever about the choice to have him on the bench. Um, for me, yeah. I'd be starting him. Um, and I don't want them to get into a habit where – He's on the bench and then when it looks like the game's completely out of the realms, they throw him on and go, Okay, do something and get us the win here. Um that's it's not a good thing to do to a such a young kid um putting that much pressure on him, but he takes it with both hands and goes for it. So
2: Yeah, look, I wasn't I I wasn't too comfy with <laughs> you know, with Harris DeVita. He had a bit a long stint on the sideline there, and when I heard during the week, Nathan Brown saying possibly he's going to put him straight back in. I, that kind of baffled me. I kind of thought, why, why would you take out a kid who's been performing so well and he's in form, um, and then throw in someone cold? You know, um, yeah. It's all good to say in hindsight, but um, yeah, yeah. When Walsh came on, he, he did provide a spark and attack. He did make a couple misses in defense too during that period where Manly scored a few tries, but yeah you know, on attack, he definitely sparked the comeback for us, so he he makes us just look that much more dangerous in attack that you kind of just need to have him there. You agree with that?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, And in in defense of his defense, he was stuck out on the centers marking Tommy Turbo. Yeah. um, Running through that channel when um, (laughs) that's a hard task for many players, let alone an 18-year-old kid in his third grade and the first grade, but um yeah, I think they just look a better side with them out there, and um, yeah, I, I wasn't too keen on Brown's rotations in this game. I think, I think he made a meal of it, to be honest. And um, yeah, there would have been changes I would have made as uh, as a couch coach sitting at home, but um, he gets paid the the big bucks to make the decisions, and hopefully there there's a rhyme to to the reason. Um, that we find out later on, but yeah, I, I wasn't happy with this game,
2: yeah. And I think Nathan Brown in the press conference kind of conceded he didn't really know what to do with Reese Walsh and how to bring him into the game. So, you know, maybe maybe that's a bit of a concession from him that he didn't quite get it right,
1: yeah. He didn't get it right, but then he made the same calls again. <laughs> so, <Sorry>, for this <laughs> yeah. week, he's picked the same team, so um. Yeah, I I don't want to go on for another hour about that. But, um, yeah, I think Manly just looks so good with Tommy Turbo there. Keeping him healthy is key. Um, I think they still need to work on their defense as well. As great as they were, they still let in 32 points. And um, it kind of reminds me of the Warriors of old, where the Warriors' idea was um, as long as they score more tries than the other team. Um, they'll be fine, and that seemed to be the approach Manly had in this one, and that's not going to work when you're going up against Melbourne or Penrith or Parramatta, for that matter. So, um, yeah, work on their D a bit, but I think they're going to have a lot of teams worried now that they've kicked into gear.
2: Yeah, I think they they may be a a decent smoky for top eight, you know, Mm -hmm. after the start they had, uh, as long as they keep those key players
1: fit. Yeah and um, that takes us into the last game of the round which was Sunday's game with the Dragons defeating the Bulldogs 32 to 18. not really much to talk about in this one it wasn't the most exciting game there was only one try scored in the first half and then um the Dragons did enough in um the second half to get a couple more tries on uh, I think the biggest talking point out of this game was Trent Barrett pulling Kyle Flanagan um early in the piece, he had to come back on due to injuries to other players but um, he's actually dropped in completely out of the side this week too which I thought was a bit harsh I don't think it's his fault that the Bulldogs are playing rubbish Um, and yeah I I think the Dragons they got this win and they're staying in the 8 for now but I think they're still going to slide out I think um, against a quality side they'll get put to the sword and um, yeah, bad days ahead for both sides here
2: yeah, you'd kind of expect the dragons to to beat the Broncos. Other, sorry, not the broncos, the bulldogs. The, the way the bulldogs are, are traveling, um, you know, I think they're destined for either the spoon or or very close to it. Um, yeah, I, I like you. I kind of it's tough to see why uh, um, Flanagan was hooked. Uh, the whole team's sort of playing so poorly, and and he's almost made his young playmaker, a scapegoat there. Um, But yeah, not much to say about the game. That's kind of what I expected. The Dragons didn't exactly set the world on fire for me either, but they kind of just did what I expected they would and and finished the Dogs off.
1: Yeah. So yeah, interesting times ahead for both of them. I think everyone's kind of just at the Bulldogs camp, just waiting for next year. So um, that's kind of affecting how you see them play on the field and yeah, The Dragons um, are still a long way off the pace, and they were just lucky they got that string of wins early on. Um, but that's it for round nine. So um, we'll get the uh, the ladder up if we can, Paul, and go over the picks. So we had three games different this week. Um where the Eels, Roosters, um, Broncos, Cowboys, and Seagulls, Warriors. I got two of those right, and Richard got one. So I ended the round with six out of eight. And Richie got 5 out of 8, which means we're back level. Um, back um, 49 out of 72. So we're, we're still over 50%, but not the great picks um, that we'd want to see. So um, the ladder, as you see there, Penner is still undefeated, so at the top. Um, Parramatta, Melbourne, and the Rabideaux still um, hold on to 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. Um, Roosters, not far behind on 5th. Dragons, after that, win, staying in 6th um Titans after their win going up to seventh and despite beating the Warriors the the Warriors were able to stay in the eight and keep Manly out Manly taking ninth Newcastle and Queensland and Raiders are 10th 11th the 12th that's kind of my line I think I think 13th 14th 15th 16th are out I think Cronulla Brisbane Tigers and Bulldogs don't have a chance unless a miracle happens and um yeah, I think Raiders up um, still have a shot, but if the Raiders and Cowboys lose this week, um, you could probably write them off as well. Yeah, I agree with you, Brad. From twelve up, um,
2: it's there for the taking. If one of those teams can, you know, just find their feet and and go on a run, it'll be. It's difficult to see who it'll be. You know, we've still got a lot of time, but. Hopefully, it's the Warriors that
1: stay there. Yeah, have have all my fingers and toes crossed that the Warriors stay in the eight. Um, So, yeah, that's the ladder. Do we have any questions from the audience, Paul?
0: So, yeah, Simon. So, what do you think of the concept of the Magic Round? You want to? I guess, what is the Magic Round first?
1: Um, So, Magic Round, Paul, is um, a round where everyone plays at the same stadium so um this year it's at Suncorp. so they've got all eight games at Suncorp, um and they kind of trying to bring like a festival feel to you where they try to get all the fans to a location and um do it and i personally like it i'd love to go to one i think next year it needs to be in new zealand um but yeah i think it's a great thing you can go and watch um especially if you're a bulldogs fan you don't really want to watch your team so you can, if it's, you can go and watch some some good sides, play some good football, and then um, stick around and watch your team get flogged. So um, I think it's good. It's good. There's um, a lot of teams that you might not get to see live um, due to the way the draw is with how they play your team. So you could go and watch the Storm if the Storm aren't playing locally for you. Um, and I think it's good for the, uh, the community around. Um, you have all those fans come in and, Put some money into the area too, which um, doesn't hurt.
2: Yeah, I agree with you, Brad. It's pretty cool. I I'd love to get along with one, to, along to one. Yeah, maybe one day we can head along to one, Brad, if we, if yeah. our bank, if our bank balances allow us.
0: <laughs> oh well, with the if anyone would like to sponsor the show and sponsor the boys and get live, <laughs> live, uh, live podcasting from a magic round, then uh, do get in touch. Uh, how does the pitch hold up? by the time you get round to the last game on Sunday, is, it, uh, is, is, is yeah, are, there, are there issues with the, the surface or do, or, or do the pictures hold up quite well?
1: Uh, from memory, I think last year it didn't hold up that well. Um, and it will be interesting to see at Suncorp because after the uh, Super Rugby game at Suncorp last weekend, the ground didn't hold up that well after that game. So um, throw, throw six or seven games, that has me a bit concerned with the Warriors playing on the Sunday. Um, that the ground might be a bit a bit bad um especially with Reese walsh not being able to stay on his feet um <laughs> in, on a good field um but yeah, that is a concern I think that's why um they try to stick with the bigger stadiums where the grounds are probably a bit more durable but yeah that's really the only concern i think is how the pitch holds up at least they don't compete in scrums so um yeah. you're not going to have scrums
0: ripping it up yeah, I guess yeah, that would be my concern. It's, it's, it's the the player welfare point of view? Is yeah, playing on a uh, a player's foot gives way, he twists his knee, and off he goes for that kind of stuff. So, um, you 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 want a good solid surface where the players can can trust their footing, and then we then we see the best skills coming out. Uh, really, yeah. So that that be that be my only concern around it. Maybe try and find somewhere with two stadiums next door to each other, like in Melbourne, uh, you can you can do two two stadiums pretty close, can't you? So you could then uh, switch mm-hmm. it around a bit. Um, just go to Mount Smart and Mount Smart too.
1: There you we go, we've done it. You Mount, fit Mount like Smart five two. people in Mount Smart 2. Yeah, the little <laughs> the little ground next door. Um
0: yeah, no, I mean you, you um, could do Eden Park at Mount Smart, for example. You could do those, you could uh have the the uh the, the Friday night games at uh, at Eden Park it's easy to get to from the city, and then you could play the Saturday and Sunday yeah. games at Mount Smart, for example, might be a way of doing it. But anyway, just some just some thoughts yeah. there. Um that's the only real question from the chat. I mean Gavin does say playing Cody Walker at fullback was a dumb decision. Um, I, so I can't personally comment. I guess.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, when you get flogged by fifty, most things are a dumb decision. I guess.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it took him out of the action too much, and um, but it's just due to the fact of the players they have that they they made that decision. Wouldn't have been the one I would have made, but um, yeah, I'm pretty sure we won't see that this week.
0: Cool. That's it from the chat this week.
1: And we're we're running low on time, but I know you had a question for me that will probably take me an hour to answer, so go for it.
2: Well, I just wanted your assessment, Brad. Now that we're a couple of months into the season, um, what have you made of the impact that Nathan Brown's coaching has had on the Warriors so far? And what do you like or dislike about his style and um, from what you've observed? What, what do you think?
1: To be honest, I I don't mind him. Um, I'm just – I don't like his decision-making as of late with his team, um, with players that he's keeping, players that he's dropping, um, and his general shadiness with his selections. Um, The last couple of weeks, the team's completely changed an hour before kickoff, and then when you talk to um, either the players or him, um, he said that they made that decision at the beginning of the week. So he's already knows who's going out on the pitch, but he's not telling anyone. Um, we spoke about it a little bit last night and um, said that it's great if you're tricking, trying to trick your opponent so they don't know what you're doing, but if the fans know, I'm pretty sure your opposition knows what you're going to do. Um, so, yeah, I don't see the purpose of it.
2: It's been a nightmare for my fantasy team, him switching it up yeah. an hour
1: before kickoff. <laughs> It doesn't help in fantasy, that's for sure. Um, But, yeah, I don't mind his coaching style. I think the biggest issue right now with the Warriors is their defense, and that's Justin Morgan's side of things. So you can't really critique um, Brown there. I would have liked them to have found a hooker by now um, because Brown's idea of keeping Wade Egan as the um, hooker isn't working. Um, I think think Wade Egan isn't cutting the mustard. And that's the first thing I'd be changing. And, um, yeah, I'd definitely be bringing Ewan Aiken in this week, which I'm pretty sure we're going to see. Um, and, yeah, Simon said, I give Brown two seasons considering his future. Yeah, um, you definitely he's, – he's only been in the job for, for five months, basically. So I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater just yet. Mm. And one of his strengths is getting the best out of young players, as we've seen at Newcastle when he was there. And there's a lot of young guys at the Warriors right now. So I think um, with what he can do with them, I think it's going to make the Warriors stronger in the future. But I don't want us to be in a rebuilding stage where we're riding the season off. I think there's enough skill and enough talent to be a playoff side this year. Um, He's just got to make the tough calls and drop players, potentially even saying, Cody, you're not good enough at six. You're better for us at an Interchanger and Nine and making that call. Um, I know Cody doesn't want to be a hooker, but if Roger Tuivasa-Sheck can go and be a winger to let Reese Walsh play, any player can go where Brown wants them to go, if I'm honest. If your best player is willing to go out of position, um, the rest have got to follow suit. Well, you made mention of
2: uh, wanting another hooker, and Nathan Brown has Wade Egan and his leadership group. So does that maybe suggest to you that we're not really in for a change of hooker and
1: he he might be our guy? Well, that's what Brown's come out and said. He said that um, Wade Egan is the the hooker for the future for this club, which um, has me all kinds of worried. But, um, yeah, I think eventually uh, you can be in the leadership group, but if you're not delivering on the field, eventually things are going to change. Um, And it it might get to a point where if he's sticking with Egan and it's clearly affecting the team's performance, he might get a tap on the shoulder and say, if you don't sort things, we're going to have to start looking elsewhere. Um, So, yeah, times will come. Um, Remind me a bit of Moneyball where um, the CEO, um, the coach keeps sticking with the same players, so the CEO just got rid of the player and said, you you can't use him now. So we could even see that. We might hear that Egan's been released just so they can stop using him. I'm not sure. It might just be a bit of personal um, dislike to Egan at the moment for what he's delivering from me. But, yeah, um, I still need to wait and see what happens with how they go. Um, Got a big asterisk due to the fact we've really only had a full-strength side in round one of this year as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, you, you... our our injuries and our lineups chopped and changed so much. Egan kind of shows glimpses here and there, like on the weekend he set up a try for Toru Harris. But yeah, I can see others other people's point of view where, like you you were saying to me that you feel like he's a bit of an anchor on our attack, um, and I can sort of see that a little bit as well. Yeah. All
1: right. So thanks for the the question. Um, I'll hopefully have a question uh, just as good for you next week so we may as well get into the magic round and our predictions so no Thursday night game this week we've got two on the Friday instead so first up we've got the Tigers and the Knights I've gone for the Knights here um I think they showed enough to say they'll beat the Tigers what about you
2: yeah I it depends what Tigers turn up because they've been a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde sort of team this year um I went for Knights as well because uh you know, I, I think if if they put it together, that they, they'll have a bit more than what the Tigers can offer up. So we'll see. But I went Knights. Yeah.
1: And next game, we've got the Seagulls versus the Broncos. Um, Broncos getting to play at home in Magic Round, and I don't think they're going to get the win here. It could potentially be a big blowout if um, Seagulls play like they did last week with their little scoring rampage.
2: Possibly, but I mean, the Broncos over the past. I know they had a, a bad one against the Eels, but they've also weren't too bad against the Cowboys and, and they were good against the Panthers. So again, it depends which Broncos turn up, but on evidence, you'd think the sea Eagles get get it done here, especially the way they've been looking lately with Tommy Turbo. So I've picked the Eagles.
1: And the first game on Saturday, we've got the Bulldogs and the Raiders. I've gone with the Raiders here. Um I think this is the game between the two worst teams in the comp right now, um, performance-wise, but I think the Raiders should beat the Bulldogs. If they don't win here, I I expect to see Ricky Stewart on the chopping block.
2: look, The Raiders fans might be a bit nervous if the Bulldogs are still in in touching distance at halftime (laughs) and saying that I've gone Raiders as well. The the Bulldogs just look destined for um, somewhere in the bottom two. So uh-oh. surely this week the Raiders get one, surely.
1: Yeah. And um, next up on Saturday, we've got the Sharks and Rabbitohs. I've gone with the Rabbitohs here. I think the Sharks will be in for a hiding to nothing after that loss the Rabbitohs suffered. They'll be wanting to bounce back.
2: Yeah, the Sharks are another one who whose confidence looks so low. Um, the Rabbitohs obviously weren't anywhere near their best over the weekend just gone, but... Uh, they should still have too much for the Sharks. You know, you think Wayne Bennett will have the Rabbitohs um, prime for a big one after last week.
1: Yeah. And then the last game on Saturday, we've got Roosters-Cowboys. Uh, Roosters got a lot of injuries, but I think they'll still be too good for the Cowboys, so I'll go on with Roosters. So have I, mate? Yeah. You know,
2: the Cowboys have been pretty good over the past month or so as well, so might be tighter, than what I would have picked at the start of the season, but uh, especially with the Roosters' injuries, but I've still stuck with the Roosters
1: for my pick. And that takes us to the first game on Sunday, and actually the only game we've got different in our picks this week with the Warriors versus Eels. I've gone with the Warriors here. You
0: went Warriors this week. Um,
1: Yeah, I went Warriors this week. Um, I feel um, they've got a few players back. I think um, the Eels they're, they're missing some key players and they might get the upset here. And if the Dragons can beat the Eels, the Warriors can too. So I'm um, I'm going I'm going all in, and I'm um, picking Good. the Warriors. Good man, I like it. I like the I like that. Um, I
2: hope you're right because I win Eels. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know the Eels are right near the top of the table, and you're right. They've lost a couple with Dylan Brown and a couple more, but ah uh, yeah. It it depends which Warriors turn up. <laughs> Hopefully uh, an hour before kickoff, Nathan Brown throws Walsh a start and <laughs> and he fires our attack and we get one. But, yeah, I just have a bad feeling that the Eels might do us.
1: Yeah. And then the second game on Sunday, we've got the Storm Dragons. Don't think we need to talk about this one much. We've gone Storm.
2: Same here. Think it'll be easy? Yeah.
1: And then the last game, we've actually got a decent game for the last game of the round for the first time, what seems forever. We've got the Titans and the Panthers. Um, I've gone with Panthers here, though. I think um, Titans look shaky and Panthers just look too good. And the Titans are missing David Fafida in this one, aren't they?
2: They are, yes. He's out. Yeah, so, I mean, he's one of their main weapons. So um, I may have given them a slight chance if he were playing, but no, Panthers. I've gone Panthers. Yeah.
1: So we only got one different this week, which is the Warriors Eels game. Um, Picked everyone else the same, so there will be a a definitive leader after the picks. Um, Probably you again, maybe knowing my luck. Um, But Simon, before we go, we'll put out Simon's picks. We got um, he's got the Knights by eight, Seagulls by four, Raiders by eight, Rabbitohs by ten, Roosters by eight, Eels by ten, Storm by eight, and Panthers by six. He's gone the same um, as me. He's a smart man. Same as you. So um, that's all we've got time for tonight. Um, so thank you all for tuning in and joining us both on the standoff with Brad and Richie for your weekly update on Rugby League. Tune in to our show next week at 8 p.m. here on Facebook at your at your convenience on iHeartRadio. Uh, just remember to search for New Zealand Sport Radio. Cheers for joining me again, Richie, and um, good night, everyone.
2: Good night.